0: Welcome to episode 23 of Winging It. Glasner all over. It looks like the time is finally upon us. Everyone may believe that this is the reason we delayed the pod. (laughs) To record a day later, like we had some inside knowledge or something, but it just wasn't. I was shattered. Albert couldn't make it. And... Heskiff just can't carry us on his own, so I can't. I can't. <laughs> particularly I can't. not tonight. That that is a very, very pissed Sam Heskiff. You're hearing. Hello,
1: it is. I can't even deny it. I'm struggling.
0: He's um, very upset about a restaurant not bringing him a, his baguette as a starter.
1: I am actually like
0: no, i You weird. are fuming, like you're like a Looney Tunes with smoke <clears throat> coming out of your ears. Don't offer baguette on the menu. Let me order baguette on the
1: off the menu, and then not bring it. I can't deal with it. If you offer baguette, and I order baguette, please bring. Is that me what baguette? you just
2: said? Baguette.
1: I love baguette. I said to Terence before we started recording, if I could only eat one food for the rest of my life, is baguette.
0: I love you know, it. The worst thing about it is he was having baguette delivered to the table, supposedly, at the same time his wife was having oysters brought over. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm not easily eating, eating oysters. What do you get out of that? You don't you just, you don't even <laughs> chew them. Baguette. Forget all that. Oh, bring me baguette. <laughs> Give me some baguette, you motherfucker. Or oh, would you like some Tabasco with your? No, I want baguette and salt Do you not think
2: butter. to oh, you could say? So, excuse me, excuse moi. Excuse moi.
1: Uh, Who's the truth, mon fucking baguette? Yeah, exactly. J'ai, j'ai femme. I don't want huître, which is French for baguette. Oh, no, it's not. It's French for oysters. Oh, I'm drunk. Isn't isn't
2: baguette French for baguette?
1: (laughs) 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 Baguette is French for baguette. Forget it. I
2: think even my poor knowledge of French can even cover that one. I had too much vin, vin rouge. That's the problem. Oh,
1: dear. Yeah,
2: you could have just said, excuse me, have you got that baguette that I ordered? That's
1: all you had to do. To be fair, we waited until we were very sure they hadn't brought baguette. Wait until you were very
2: sure? It's a very if If, if, if there's no baguette well, on the table. Yeah, they but they might have brought it. They
1: yeah. brought our mains and there was still no sign of the baguette.
2: Yeah, that's so the what I just which said.
1: I said, listen, uh, mon ami, <laughs> I ordered baguette. There is zero baguette. Cancelled a baguette. And he said, you're just saying the word baguette a lot. And I said, well, I to go.
2: just stick it in yeah. a bag for the end.
1: Stick it in a bag.
2: In a doggy baguette. Doggy bag. <laughs> oh,
1: doggy bag.
0: Uh, we should have put a disclaimer out to that BBS user. Fucking you, hell! You need to you need to fast forward mate, <laughs> to about the six minute. Yeah. If
2: you
1: thought Terence talking about whatever sour he was drinking was bad enough, you've had the word baguette twenty three times in the last two minutes. So apologies.
0: Talking of which, just because you're pissed, I'm not yet.
1: Join did- me, join me, Terence.
0: Now, I did go to the fridge and I had the choice of two beers. One was 8%, one was 6%. I've gone for the 6% So I've got an early, early start tomorrow. Fair enough. The 8% was called Sun Up um, to <laughs> mimic a famous Steve Parrish quote. <laughs> and it looks like the sun might come up tomorrow. <laughs> so um, Yeah, but no, instead I've got a beer from Daya called invoice me for that microphone
1: um, whilst you're pouring I will say that I did have a very nice bottle of wine which is what I had without the baguette uh, which is a nice bottle of syrup from the Languedoc region which is absolutely delicious
0: oh. wine check
2: wine check wine check there'll be a
1: lot of wine in later don't worry
0: <laughs> why are you going out to a club after oh This is a soft, juicy IPA with plenty of citra and mosaic. That's it. Invoice me that for that microphone.
1: What's it saying?
0: Mm.
2: Michael, are you going to spill it over your podcast (laughs) mic?
0: It's lovely. It always is from Daya. Lovely, lovely beer. They're never going to sponsor you.
1: Alberto, <laughs> Aber- what are you drinking today?
0: Uh,
2: Peroni Rouge.
1: Ah, Trubia. Mm.
2: How much? How
1: much
0: baguette is uh, with that? N- Nil point. Nil point. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so where to start this week? eh? I think the first part is that it's clear that Dougie Freeman's not going. Ashworth, is it? Who was at Brighton? Went to Newcastle is now being tapped up by Manchester United for what is described as his laptop full of player information. <laughs> I don't know. So Freeman's saying that's good news, I think. Um, yeah. Potentially, the bad news of that is Glasner is known for clashing with sporting directors, which we'll get into. <laughs> but yeah, good good for that. And on the flip side, though, we've obviously had the uh, news today that Hodgson's been taken ill and ended up in hospital. Um, not really much known other than like, an incident occurred in front of the players. He's now been taken to hospital and being CNN. <sighs> they said he's up and talking and so on, but looking, you know, at the end of the day, it's a 76-year-old man in a very high-pressure job and there's all this added stress as well, results going badly and looks like he's about to be sacked. It's not it's not really a good look, is it?
2: <laughs> it's not, I'm scared I'm scared to say anything.
0: <laughs> well I, I I I refer to it as a soap opera earlier when it came out that he wasn't taking the presser because he was sick um or ill. And I think it's it's obviously there was loads of speculation about whether the club were just lying (laughs) to give him an easy out or something, which I don't know, obviously would not be the case, I imagine. But yeah, it's obviously not not amazing news. And it makes Albert, the situation a little bit delicate for the club. Uh, Yeah,
2: nobody wants to sack someone when they're
0: poorly in hospital. But Parrish did take him up there, apparently. <laughs> just drop you off here, Roy. <laughs> Could you imagine him trying to get a sick Roy into his Lamborghini?
2: <laughs> oh, it's, the parking's very expensive here. Do you think he's <laughs> If I just pull up to
0: the doors, do you think he'd be all right? No. I <laughs> don't even think he drives a Lambo anymore, does he? Was it even a, was it a Lambo? It was a Lambo. Yellow Lambo, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm, no. So, obviously, it goes without saying we all wish Roy the best and hopes he gets well as soon as possible. Hopefully, he's already out of hospital and he's at home, feet up, just trying to get some relaxing in. Um, but obviously, difficult with the situation that's going on.
2: Hopefully, not watching Sky Sports News.
0: <laughs> well, I mean... It's a, it's a mess, and it is a mess that everyone's going to point back to Parrish himself and say, look, this is your fault anyway. Like We're in this situation because of appointing Roy back in the summer, being reluctant to pull the trigger now, all, all sorts, is, is, is where the finger's going to be pointed at the moment. And um, the only saving grace, I guess, Heskiff, is that Glasner looks like we're, well, as you say we're 99% sure it's him he only follows 11 people on Instagram and he followed Palace today so we're assuming it's probably just about done but it seems mm. like an, ex- an exciting appointment.
2: He's, he's either got the Palace job or he's just really really concerned about Roy Hodgson yeah. and wants the latest
1: <laughs> updates I was going to say we're, we're waiting for the follow on the Winging It CPFC account Oliver so <laughs> hurry up with that um, yeah, it, uh, yeah, I mean, you know me, I'm as pessimistic as they come, and I don't want to do another Lucian file, so I'm gonna caveat everything with if he's appointed, if we announce his appointment. Um, it sounds like it's basically done. Obviously, we all wish Roy very well, and the timing of him falling ill, and apparently a lot of the players were distressed at the training ground when it happened, which is not good. Um, it doesn't come at a good time for the club in terms of announcing a new manager when your current manager or your old manager is in hospital. Um, and as I say, we, we wish Roy very well. Um, but I think with Glasner, it's a sort of manager, if you look at his pedigree in terms of what he's achieved at Wolfsburg and Frankfurt, what he achieved in Austria before that, It's sort of like he's the sort of manager that will get appointed by another team in the Premier League and I get really annoyed that we never make that sort of appointment. Um, All of the reports I've read have said very positive things about the way he sets those teams up and the way he plays football, how he sort of motivates individual players to make themselves better. Um, And it all seems a bit sort of too good to be true. And that's me being, as I said, a pessimist. Um, But if it is true and we do appoint him, then I think think
0: it might be a positive thing, dare I say it. Mm. Now, Albert, (laughs) every club he's managed, he's taken to Europe. And they are clubs that perhaps weren't being expected to get to Europe at the time he took over. So even even pops out of a champions uh, uh champions league a europa league win beating barcelona in the quarter final west ham in the semi final and rangers in the final mm. so how are we going to ruin his 100% record against teams to europe
2: i <laughs> i don't know uh i can't remember which one thing's one of you guys posted Something or a screen grab about how he's his ethos, his belief is that every player has untapped potential, and it's his Mm. job to untap it, untap it. (laughs) Is that the word? Tap Tap into it. Tap Tap it. Yeah. yeah, Whatever. Tap into it and unlock, unlock it, (laughs) unlock it. (laughs) And I couldn't help but be drawn to a couple of members of our squad. (laughs) And think we'll fucking see about that. Yeah. Not naming any names. Name names. Um no, I'm not going to. <laughs> it's disrespectful to Geoffrey Schlupp. Um <laughs> But if he gets us to, if he gets us to Europe as much as I'm I dread getting into Europe just for, you know, Burnley esque sort of reasons, um, you have to take your hat off to him. So yeah, it's if it goes ahead, it's I can't I can't profess to have known too much about him before his name popped up. That's the eleventh the eleventh, his eleventh followers of Palace Palace account. So yeah, look, if it happens, it's obviously exciting, you know, how true it is that Bayern Munich are interested, you know, he's got to be half decent if they're <coughs> even making that connect spurious connection. So yeah, we'll see.
0: Yeah. I'm really excited in the name threat On the grounds that He's completely disconnected from the club. Someone coming in new, fresh eyes. Assume he's going to bring his own team, shake some feathers up, ruffle people, and, you know, hopefully get the best out of this squad as well. And, you know, shake some feathers up. Ruffle, ruffle some feathers. Ruffle feathers. Ruffle no, some sh- feathers. Shake things up. Shake no, things up. You, I guess. Sorry. Ruffle feathers suggests he's going to shake- turn
2: up like a cabaret dancer or something <laughs> with a, <laughs> a bow around, isn't it?
1: You shake your tail feather. That's a song. It was in the... Yeah, I brothers, do. ...wasn't it? So yeah, he didn't maybe, say that. He didn't say that. He, but, but he didn't specify which feather to shake, but it could have been a <laughs> tail feather.
0: And we're mm. eagles, and we have uh, tail feathers. I meant to say ruffle some feathers for... Thank, thanks for having oh. my back, Heskiff. You're welcome. I didn't did mean to say ruffle some feathers. Um, <laughs> just, just want but, things to be proper. <laughs> oh, 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 so now after seven years of recording together, you want you want things to be professional. <laughs> all of a sudden
1: also finally i defend change gone come and he's he's like i don't want your defense shut up i meant something else
0: no no one wants to be defended by the raging drunken idiot in the corner (laughs) no (laughs) you Um, leave him alone (laughs) (laughs) but no i'm I'm really excited that yeah this whole fresh set of eyes is going to come in and you know, has this great track record of improving players, improving teams and really finishing above their station and doing well in cup competitions. Winning the Europa League, getting to the final of the DFB Pokal, um, which they unfortunately lost. But, you know, it's, you know, uh, what more can we want, you know, in terms of a track record of that? Now, uh, before... I got you two guys on to chat to you. I did speak to German Sky Sports Premier League commentator Florian Malberg um, to get some, get some background on <laughs> Glasner. Okay, we are now joined by Florian Malberg, Sky Sports Germany commentator for the Premier League. Um, and full disclaimer, he is a friend of mine as well. welcome (laughs) welcome to the pod he once he once dragged me along to cologne away at arsenal in the europa league that was some night
3: (laughs) was a great day
0: (laughs) yeah that was the one that ended up kicking off at gone 10 o'clock because of all the problems outside and yeah (laughs) good night good times um so we've got you on florian because obviously you're the all-knowing expert on German football (laughs) and um, looks like Crystal Palace are going to be appointing imminently Oliver Glasner. Is that, am I saying that right? Glasner?
3: I think in UK you will say Glasner in, in Germany or in Austria, you will say Glasner. Glasner okay
0: um so yeah at Palace fans seem really big coop it feels like really really excited about the appointment um you know really no no one connected to Palace coming in new fresh ideas Uh, eventually when the players come back from injury going to be picking himself up a really talented squad so really really excited for the appointment to see how it goes um so he started in Wolfsburg
3: in Germany how did it go how did it go for him there very well in the beginning he had some problems because um he tried to implement uh, the back three which didn't work because of different reasons and he tried to push it and um had some issues with the players who told him no coach it doesn't work with us and um yeah after some time he agreed and um they um, implement the back four. It worked much better. So this was the first sign that for me that Oliver Glasner is able to cope to the needs of a team, even if he tries something different. Mm. And um, yeah, then later on in Frankfurt, the next station, he had his back three because Frankfurt was was used to it. But I think he's uh, quite flexible with this. Yeah, so
0: that sounds like as a manager, prepared to be flexible. And do you feel like once Eze and Elise are on the field, he's going to be able to build a system around them and get
3: the most out of them? I, I, I'm quite sure that he is able to to get the best out of his players. He showed that in Wolfsburg as well as in Frankfurt. Um, everywhere he he was, he had his success with the team. Um. But he also had stress, especially mm. in the end. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so start with
0: Wolfsburg. Uh, he, well, I guess Wolfsburg and Frankfurt as a pair you could do. He had falling outs with the directors of football at both clubs.
3: Yeah, that's what was told in the media, and um, before we started the podcast, I had some calls with the colleagues of Sky Sport News News in the area of Frankfurt and Wolfsburg and um, talk to them. And yeah, this is what they told that the sporting directors, yeah, it's their job to scout, to, to uh, reach transfers and they have their own ideas. It's a strong position in German football. And Oliver Glasner um, was used to be sporting director and coach in one person in Austria in Linz. And um, he also started his career as a yeah, assistant to a sporting director in RB Salzburg. So I can understand why he has a strong connection with both positions. but as coach in Germany, you have from time to time you have to, to see, okay, it's a huge club and the sporting director has his own ideas, Fair enough, and you can't uh, dictate everything. And Mm. this was a point with him. So he obviously did really well at Wolfsburg,
0: finishing seventh in the first season, qualifying for the Europa League and then finishing fourth in the second season and qualifying for the Champions League. But he didn't take them to the Champions League campaign because
3: he left for Frankfurt. Was that a surprise in Germany? No, it wasn't because there were signs that uh, there are some personal issues with uh, Jörg Schmatke, who was... uh, sporting director back in the days in Wolfsburg. You know him from Liverpool, also a really strong character. And, um, yeah, there were some issues between them. Um, There's one story, and even it's not a metaphor, it seems to be real, um, that Oliver Glasner really wanted to to tell the club the length of the grass. (laughs) So it shows a bit that he, he's really ambitious and he wants the best out of everything. Perhaps you can compare it a bit to Lucien Favre. I think there were, <laughs> yeah. there were some rumors with Favre as well. Perhaps you, 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 you're looking for such a personality. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, Jörg Schmatke, as I said, is a strong person as well. So he don't like this too much.
0: Mm, okay. So that, but then he goes to Frankfurt, slow start of Frankfurt as well. I think it takes him a bit of time to get going there, which obviously slight concerns given that he's coming in late in a season for us and, you know, we're dangerously close to the relegation zone. So hopefully not a slow start here. But then beats Bayern Munich in Munich, which is Frankfurt's first time that they do that in 21 years. And then he goes on a crazy run in Europe and ends up beating Barcelona and West Ham en route to winning the Europa League against Rangers in the final, which you know, pretty special occasion for Frankfurt and a long time, I think it was, wasn't until the 80s was their last European final, so pretty special achievement from him there.
3: It doesn't surprise me, but you're prepared perfectly. Mm. <laughs> of course,
0: so um, and then the following season at Frankfurt goes to the uh, DFB of final, which unfortunately loses, but you know, bringing the good times back to Frankfurt, really. is um, He he must be seen still quite fondly
3: there, even
0: given the falling out at the end.
3: Yeah, but also before the final, it was already clear that um, he will leave the club. So, Mm. similarity to the story in Wolfsburg, there were signs shown lately in the um, Bundesliga campaign where he gets some, yeah he gets some rude moments in interviews and stuff like that. You didn't know from Glasner before, which didn't seem typically for him. And yeah, yeah, there were also some strong signs that uh, there are some problems behind the scenes with uh, Marcus Kroescher. And so also everyone know before the end of the season, okay, he will leave. So no surprise as well in Frankfurt. Yeah.
0: So, because they, they didn't win in his last 10 games there. But if everybody knew he was
3: going long before, it probably yeah. explains. He, he, co- he started complaining about the um, depth of the squad. On the, on the one hand, I can understand that because Frankfurt is not, uh, is not Dortmund, it's not Leipzig and not FC Bayern. So this you know this as manager, and there were some problems with uh, injuries. Um, and crusher on the other hand, said, "Well, this is what we have. This is what we got. I can't change it." But um, Glasner, who is really, really ambitious, um, saw that his goals can't be, um, yeah, can't be reached with this squad.
0: Okay, so in a nutshell how do you how do you think he's going to do at crystal palace he's got a young talented squad available um, there'll be some additions i imagine again when the next transfer window comes around given that he's going to have his ideas and want to add players i think it's very clear we're going to lose Elise in the summer regardless the guy's ambitious he's not going to stick around for much longer uh, so there'll be money there should be money to spend given that he's going to demand a handsome fee so can we be expecting european places at long last crystal palace have never played in europe
3: this i i, <laughs> I saw your eyes when you told the story of frankfurt <laughs> you want yeah. to see barcelona as well i know that <laughs> um, yeah first of all when you when you look uh, to linz to wolfsburg to frankfurt he was successful point but he wants something. He wants good players. He wants to to have influence in, in scouting and selecting the squad. So Dougie Friedman and Ben Stevens will have perhaps also some argues with him. But, um, yeah, as I said, they there were also some rumors about Lucien Favre. So perhaps it's the kind of guy you want. And... Um, it will be important to spend some money of Olisse if he goes to another club, which I think too. Um, And it will be important that perhaps it's only Olisse and Eze and Gay stay. Yeah. So, yeah, I think
0: we we might lose Anderson in the summer as well, but, you know, he's he's probably replaceable and we will get double what we paid for him as well. So, yeah, hopefully it all works out hopefully he signs the contracts because you know we kind of got this close with Favre a couple of seasons back when we appointed Vieira so hopefully um it's all over the line i i know for a fact he's in london um it's just obviously timing's got a bit strange because roy hodgson has fallen sick today so you know he's he's had to go to the hospital so it's kind of feels bad that you sack him when he's in the hospital kind of thing so who knows how long it's going to take to pan out but um all the signs are looking positive and, you know, when you're commentating on your Crystal Palace games, although it's been a while since you commentated on one in Germany. Too
3: yeah yeah. I don't know why. They, they yeah. put me on a lot of uh, Brighton games. So. Oh, well, yeah, mate. Uh, I, I don't want to say the name. Uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, listen, you've not been missing much with Palace, that's for sure. Ho- hopefully that will change under Glasner and we can... Um, <laughs> yeah you get some more exciting games under your belt but um Florian, thank you so much for taking the time for talking to us really really appreciate it nice insight there and um yeah we'll you're welcome we'll, we'll, we'll get you, we'll get you back on in a you a few months' time to have a recap on how things are going yeah perfect thanks Cheers. yes yeah, so thanks to Florian there for chatting with us um not my favorite Florian. <laughs>
2: Is your favourite Florent Florent Marange?
0: Oui, monsieur. Oui, oui. (laughs) Indeed. But, um, you know, he ended with a story there, Albert, about um, him being so precise that he wanted, he fell out with a sporting director at Wolfsburg over the length of the grass and being very specific about how long he wanted the grass. So sounds like a bit of a perfectionist.
2: Wow. I mean, how long did he
0: want the grass? Just out of interest. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah, about three inches. <laughs> three. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so his time at Frankfurt, which was, you know, very similar to the Wolfsburg story, really, you know, just falling out with a foot in director his time over. Um Wanting to add squad depth, you know, given that he'd taken them to win the Europa League and then took them to a cup final and qualified for the Champions League, I I think that um, asking for a few more players isn't probably that out there. But when you see that he was winless in his last ten games of Frankfurt, I think he was he was already it was already known that he was leaving by that point anyway. So, kind of explains away a bit. But Heskiv, one of the themes that run through the interview is likes to play of a black a back three. Now it mm. um he went into Wolfsburg, tried to make it happen, as he, as Florian said, didn't work out, and the players went to him and said, Look, we're not comfortable playing this, we want to play a back four. So mm. he changed to, listened to the players and a, a changed to a back four. Went to Frankfurt, who we used to play with a back three and played a back three. So <laughs> Look out, Gyro Reviel is ready to reinvent himself and <laughs> send centre back again. Well, I think it's good that he
1: he's able to to sort of change things tactically. Um, I know that one of the issues that we've we've had with Roy is that he's quite stubborn in what he does and how he plays, and <clears throat> we've sort of chastised him over the last well, a couple of months, really, about how easy we think Palace are to play with. Uh, to play against, sorry, because it's it's the same formation, it's the same players. I think having a manager that's happy to change things, listen to the players, act accordingly is it, it, a big deal. And I think you know, bringing in players like Munoz, as we have done recently, who is clearly comfortable going forward. And I'm sure we'll talk about the Chelsea game, but sort of seeing him roared up the pitch, and and are you? not know where the fuck his fullback is because he's not used to Joel Ward being, you know, ahead of him on the pitch. Having players like that, being able to play a black, a back three is, is a lot less worrisome when you've got, you know, fullbacks that are happy to go forward. So I don't mind it. Um, you know, I think if he's able to get the best out of players, whatever formation, which it sounds like he's very adept at doing, then that's the main thing. Um and like I say, it's it's good that he's happy to change his ways and, and try things differently in order to get the the, the best results because I don't think we've really had that much over the last couple of years.
0: Mm. Albert, you excited?
2: No, because it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I think
0: officially... To be, quite, to be quite honest. This episode is called Glasner All Over. Although I was fighting for Oliver Twist, I was downvoted. Hmm.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Am I excited? If listen, if it happens and we've got a, a, a you know a young sort of up and coming European manager that's apparently the envy of Bayern Munich, then all the things you've said about good in cup runs and specific about the grass, you know, I can I can get on board with that. Um, yeah, of course it's exciting. You know, it's. Um, It makes a change from being linked to fucking the usual suspects. Let's put it that way.
0: Mm. Well, those usual suspects are falling by the wayside at the moment. There's not many left. I suppose we haven't had David Moyes. He might be available soon. (laughs) uh, We were joking earlier that West Ham are going to jump before us and swing swing (laughs) Oliver's mind around and have him in. But, um, that's why I'm not excited yet. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. I, I think this bit might've been cut off in the interview is Flomion talks about saying that he's a very similar character to Lucy and father. And he was like, wasn't Good. you linked with, he was like, wasn't you linked with father as well? I was like, yes, <laughs> but it,
2: Maybe he's not too up, similar to him.
0: and I'm not having him, but he's saying it's what's quite clear then that, you know, if it's twice you've, we've ended up with managers with that sort of temperament and characteristics it's clear that we're looking for someone of that sort of mold. So, um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. And, you know, he has a background as a sporting director as well as an assistant in that role at Salzburg and then going on to come in. Uh, um, I can't remember what the first team were called Lisk links. Lask, like, yeah. Lask. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, I'm excited really excited. I'm hoping it's done by the time you're listening to this podcast, listeners. It might not quite be. Maybe we'll have to wait until after the the Everton game. But I'm pretty sure it's done. Um, The sizable bet I put on it yesterday, (laughs) it better be done. I hope for your
1: sake it is done.
0: (laughs) Exactly. But hey-ho, we shall see. But of course, this means that Roy will be outgoing. Um end of his second spell as crystal palace manager i mean god forbid there won't be a third one <laughs> it'd be pretty special circumstances if he end up with a third one but no um so i was thinking of some of your favorite royal moments off the top of your heads um i can barely um, remember
1: my own name at this point mate
0: <laughs> so from, i've from got this, I've, from this spell no, from both spells, just in terms of like going around. I mean, obviously, it can kick you off, get the ball rolling with the first win after going seven games without a win, combined with him and De Boer at the start of the season when Zaha scored and we beat Chelsea at Selhurst. Remember that? Do you remember those days when we used to beat Chelsea?
1: <laughs> That's a long time ago.
0: Was what was it? Was that their thirteenth win, straight win against us? Yeah. And to make things worse, they clean sweeped us in the FA Youth Cup and the FA women's cup.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: The thing what, is as well,
1: like the shitter they get, the better they their results are against us. <laughs> like we were right against them but they were quite good. We're crap now.
0: Yeah. So yeah, so that was um a pretty special moment in terms of sort of kick the you know, we were bottom of the league, seven straight defeats and you know, really got really got us going and moved us, you know, up the league and eventually ending the season on a really big high. Um, if you think I think at the end of that season, I think we went six unbeaten, winning four of the last games. Um that five nil at home against Leicester but you've got to remember that one. Remember that one. Mm talking to Ruben Loftus-Cheek was amazing in that game and Mm. he's just scored two goals for Milan tonight. Yeah,
2: they were, that was a, that's, yeah, that's definitely a a Roy highlight. Um, and there's loads more.
0: (laughs) I've got more for you. (laughs) Don't worry. We've got the, if you were there, the 3-2 at the Etihad.
1: Yeah, that was going to be my one. Um, that really stands out because you know, we've talked about it loads, you and me, um, and on this pod, but we went one little down after about twenty five minutes and I think everyone was like, Well, that's it, you know, I'm not gonna get back in this, it's Man City away. Not only did we play really well and get a result, but obviously that goal from Andros is one that we'll never forget. But I think we were like pretty good value for it, to be honest, and The last bit was a bit hairy because they scored that sort of fluky cross-shot goal. But looking back on that, I thought we actually played really well. And Roy's, weirdly, Roy's domination of Manchester sits atop atop of his achievements, really, because, all right, Man United aren't what they were, but his record against them was very good. His record at at the Etihad was very good, including this season for both of them. So I think those... Yeah, those results against the Manchester clubs over his, his two spells are definitely up there.
0: Um
1: yeah. lot yeah, of fun.
0: Well, I think if you look, Hodgson has more wins at Old Trafford in his time as Palace manager than the rest of our than the, the same amount as the number of our history in Derek <laughs> Ten Hag. Um, so I think, other than the three victories that Roy has at Old Trafford, Because we won 2-1 there just before COVID. Mm -hmm. Then we won 3-1 during COVID. And we won 1-0 this season. I think we only had three wins at Old Trafford. Ever. (laughs) Before that. Or maybe only two. Because was the one in 89 the first one? Oh, it might have been. And then we won in the League Cup. Yeah, because the 5-0 was at Sellers, wasn't it? Yeah. So he's got more wins at Old Trafford. Which probably says more about... Manchester United's predicament than it does.
1: <laughs> I was going to say no. it, might, it might say more about Palace's <laughs> 100, 100 years before Roy, but
0: yeah, well, maybe yeah. Um, and they say you say a couple of good results at the Etihad, and even this season, I mean, one of the good moments was the now very memed him laughing at Guardiola <laughs> as he drops to his knees or throwing his arms up in the air in frustration. Uh, another standout for me, one of the the Great Palace away days for me—just the whole day surrounding it, the heat, the amount of booze I had, seeing some good friends, including Arsenal friends, was winning three-two at Arsenal. Oh, With right, that, yeah, that Zaha goal just when he's you know towards the away end as well, and then the Jimmy McC- Jimmy mack one when all the players jump in at the same time and bounce off each other. It was like four come from different angles. Yeah, just so much about that day was just brilliant. Was you there that day, Albert? For three two, yeah. Oh, no, I was not. Sadly, oh. felt like I remember drinking with you that day, but I think I drank with everyone that day. To be honest, yeah, I mean, you, clearly wanted, you clearly wanted me to be there. Yeah, we
1: always want was you to I be there, there mate.
2: That day? Was I there that day? No, I don't think I was.
1: That w- that was a great day. That was my first ever. Time seeing Paris beat Arsenal. Uh, yeah, I don't
2: think I. I don't think I've seen us any time we've beaten Arsenal. I've not been there.
0: Okay, no more Arsenal games for you then. No, <laughs>
2: I think the best the best Arsenal result I've seen was the one all back in two thousand and five, whatever that was.
1: When Vasilis Lakis missed an open goal to make oh
2: don't don't mm. yeah I don't I I've never seen us have, have any joy against Arsenal certainly not in recent years
0: hmm. but then we um, we also have a, sadly after he hopefully sorry he won't be remembered for the 4-1 last week and he would be more remembered for the Jordan I 1-0 at Brighton and the, the as we've said many times before the biggest robbery of Covid not being in oh. there when, when Ben Teke <laughs> <laughs> they, they couldn't could they <laughs> I mean, those are two pretty special results.
1: They are, and, and they and they feed into the, the Palace collective kink of seeing Lewis dunk on the floor as Palace score. So mm. there's there's a lot to be thankful for there.
0: Yeah, yeah, that Jordan IU one was, but because especially because all the news of like COVID was starting to seep through, um, it was very feasibly going to be our last away game. For God knows how long, and it did turn out to be that way. Um, mm. So, so go out.
2: Oh, I, I forget that was so close to.
0: Yeah. Um, so, so we got one more game in, which was Watford, and then which the government then came out and said that they well they didn't, but everyone said they should have got earlier. And that weekend was probably a super spreader kind of vibe. But um, yeah, it was three one nils on the bounce, wasn't it? Did we? It was. Was it Newcastle? Did we beat Newcastle one nil then? Uh, Brighton 1-0 and then Watford 1-0. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, come back from COVID 1-2-0. It's like, oh, we're going Europe here.
1: And then he said, hold and that thought. we <laughs>
2: Project think, yeah, restart was very short-lived for us. It was.
1: <laughs> I think there's a lot, like I know that, especially this season on the pod, we've been at critical of Roy, of his comments, of his tactics, of the plays he plays, etc. But I think none of us have any hold any ill will towards him. And obviously, with the health health stuff that sort of popped up a couple of times this year, Villa, obviously, and this this thing to this week today, just you know, there is a lot to be thankful for for Roy. And whilst we might not necessarily want him as manager or want to see the sort of tactics uh, that we've seen this season um there is a lot of positive feelings towards roy and i hope personally for his sake for everyone's sake that he gets to just rest and enjoy not being in the absolute pressure cooker of premier league football management which i'm sure is it like an insane amount of pressure um the fact that you've seen klopp is leaving at the end of the season and has cited you know mental health reasons you know Uh, I watch a lot of ice hockey and there's a lot of ice hockey players in the NHL that are taking time off for mental health reasons. I think it's very important that the stigma is sort of put to one side and everyone's acknowledging just how difficult a job it is and that health is way more important. Um, So I am a bit pissed and I am getting a bit serious, but legitimately, obviously hope Roy's doing all right. And that all parties can sort of move on in a positive fashion from this, really.
0: Here, yeah, yeah, here, but that was very too deep because it's kind of taken the gloss of me going into my next favourite moment. Oh no! And Albert's worst moment of him going to Watford and relegating them. Oh, that was pretty good,
1: to be fair. <laughs> Al- Albert's absolutely livid. Livid.
0: Doing no favours for my mental health. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Uh, but then obviously he comes back for the second spell, gets 10 games at the end of the season, wins five, draws three, storm up the league to finish 11th and really gets the best out of the squad that we had and particularly Eze and Alise. Um, And Maybe we'll look back, maybe Eze and Elise will come back from injury and we'll storm up the league under Glasner and everyone can look back and say, you know, Roy didn't get much of Elise a Lise and Eze in his second spell, and maybe that is just basically the sole reason why we're in this predicament because he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do. Who knows? With you know, that's the thing about football—it's all ifs and buts and opinions and so on. But um, I think, as a body of work over his time as Crystal Palace manager, we can all appreciate what he's done for us. Um, no boyhood club and all that, come back first time round, got us out of a very sticky situation, got us out of another... St- and you know and then kept us in the Premier League for a few years, um, especially around a time where financially, we were in a bit of a mess from decisions made previously, like spending 30 million on Sacco and things like that, and ending up with losing a squad of loads of players who were happy to run down their contracts, their very large contracts. You know, we were a mess and he's basically steadied the ship for a lot of that and allowed us to get into this position we are in now where we can sign players young and settle them on for big money hopefully <laughs> you know we've got I think that's obviously going to happen with Gay, Elise and Eze and it's going to happen with Wharton in the future as we'll get on to talk about after the Chelsea game Um so you know really steadied the ship for us and you know got us through some choppy waters so I, th- I think we all look back on him as you know as time goes on it will will f- less remember the last ten games of his last first spell and you know the end of his second spell as well, and look at the body of work as a whole and be happy with it so indeed, um okay, Chelsea, let's move on to it <laughs> gutting absolutely gutting to lose the game, felt like felt like we didn't deserve it, but um interesting what i found after the game now you know if you remember on last week's pod i said you know the team pretty much writes itself but i don't think he'll put that team out he basically did <laughs> um it was only it was only edward didn't play wide left hughes played 10 instead and france played left so heskiff i'm sorry alberts that means um france are started sunshine do you want my monzo or paypal what do you want for that 25 um, quid
2: I, uh, I, um, um, yeah well whichever one you like
0: <laughs> well we were all shocked and it kind of um, you know from the off as well of that game playing the team in that fashion and very clearly going into a game and trying to win it instead of trying to not lose it or keep it as tight as long as possible made a humongous difference and you could feel it in the crowd especially at the end even when we'd lost 3-1 there was no one there booing no one was singing Hodgson out none of that because everyone could appreciate we'd gone onto the pitch and tried to win a game of football didn't work out but we played well and there was rustiness in the front I think there was you know clear clear of that We, you know, Roy said we wasn't a danger to them I'd disagree. I'd say we got in some really good positions. And, you know, if the players were, you know, France particularly had had more minutes in his legs, maybe would have been able to do a bit more and so on. But, Albert, what did you think of France's performance as a whole?
2: Yeah, I mean, I watched it at home, so I was watching it on TV. Um, Yes, obviously I was shocked to see him start. And had completely forgotten about my... um, (laughs) <laughs> bet, whatever you want to call that Frivolous bets, yeah Frivolous bet, luckily I had Heskif on hand to remind me um, <laughs> What did I make of it? I thought I thought it was very promising I mean, you, you can tell I mean, it sounds obvious you can tell he's not played a lot of, of first team competitive football in recent weeks um, but I thought everything he tried to do was positive and mm. played, a, played a nice couple of sort of balls in that sort of between the lines trying to find... Mateta on a couple of occasions um you know they you could tell that whether it's because they didn't, didn't really know him but you know you could tell the, the Chelsea fullback were, were a little bit worried about him and certain points in the game were doubling up on him uh obviously he hits that that rocket of a shot out of nowhere in the second half and as you've as you've already sort of commented on he just he just ran out of steam which is completely fair enough for someone that hasn't played a lot of football and hasn't really played in the Premier League a lot. So I thought it was very promising. I saw a couple of comments that were, you know, jury was out or not that impressed, but I thought he, I thought he started in quite well. And um, yeah, I'd like to see him start the next game as well.
0: Yeah, it was, uh, I I completely agreed. Uh, He brought a really positive energy to things. He was trying things. He was always looking forward. Um, I've still I can't believe the player I watched on YouTube is him because on YouTube he was dribbling past everyone, but he doesn't seem to A, have the pace or the ability to do that. I think Hesketh just died. Um, <laughs> the, <laughs> are you okay, mate? I'm fine. That wine has really gone to his head. But yeah, he was like, really <laughs> you know, Francis was really struggling to dribble round people, but I think technically he's very good and reads space well. Um, which I think I talked about after the Brighton game. Another thing that I found really interesting to watch was him using his voice, like really talking to other players. He was really directing um, Mitchell what to do a lot of the time, telling him where to be, telling him making sure he was clear with him when he was going to press, so Mitchell would press with him. So yeah, I was I was impressed, and just think he just looks a bit rusty. Uh, I think giving more minutes, a bit like you've seen with Mateta, giving more minutes, he's going to get fitter, he's going to get stronger. Standard. he's gonna, yeah, he's going to be able to go later into games and hopefully impact them. So, I'm um, really happy with what I saw. But in terms of new signings or you know signings from this season, we then can just not talk, not not talk about Wharton, who I think it was halfway through the first half. I just I just turned to my dad and was just like. In my what am I what am I now up to? Nineteen ninety four, so thirtieth year of supporting Palace, going to Palace Games. We have never had a centre midfielder like him in my thirty years of watching Palace. He's got everything. <laughs> I thought Blackburn fans are chatting shit on Twitter. <laughs> but he can tackle, he can intercept, he reads the game, he's calm on the ball, he gets involved physically, he passes forward constantly and gets the opposition on their back foot, and can pass with both feet, has amazing vision. I just can't say enough about how good I thought he was. Hesketh,
1: yeah, he was he was absolutely brilliant. And like a couple of things stood out to me. Obviously, he's got a wonderful left foot, but other than that, like you said about France, so there was a point in the first half where he sort of ran towards Henderson, who had the ball, in the way that Decoré does, asking for the ball so he can like get things going. And uh, Henderson, I think, just punted it up the pitch. And Wharton had a real go at him. <laughs> he just like, I like that he's got the wherewithal to look for the pass. And even though it's his full debut, get pissed off that he didn't get the ball. Mm. Um, but also, yeah, like you say, he's the other thing I like is he's not afraid to try these passes. You know, he he got caught for a, in the build-up to a goal at Brighton but I like that he's willing to come for the ball and do stuff with it. And, you know, we've spoken and it's not his fault. We've spoken about Chris Richards, who just isn't comfortable collecting the ball there and doing anything other than passing it sort of quite simply uh, either back or sideways so as not to get caught in possession or or create a, a sort of turnover or whatever. Whereas Wharton is always looking for that pass. And I think as you know, as good as he looked against Chelsea and he looked very, very good, you know, when once, once he's had a few more games under his belt and he's used to the plays that he's playing with and we see Eze come in, for example, or Elise come in and he can link up with them. I mean, that's very exciting. That's very exciting. And then, and then, you know, further on, if you think about him next to Decoray. You know, well, since we've had since we've had check, I've always thought, like, oh my god, imagine how good Decor and Kabai would be together. But after having seen Wharton, you're like, God, Decorrow and Wharton next to each other is a, a, f- a fucking fantastic midfield. And like you say, you look at these Blackburn comments, you know, you don't know how good he is. You you don't know what you're getting. My best mate, who's a Millwall fan, saying you know, I think 20 million quid is going to be a bargain. And you think like, all right, like I can turn it, rain it in a little bit. And I know it's only been sort of a game and a half, but I'm like, maybe 20, 20 million quid is a bargain. Maybe he is that good mm. in the way that, you know, like if we were to, you know, if Elisa goes to Man City, let's say, we'll be like, see, we fucking <laughs> told you how good he was. And I think Blackburn fans are doing that to us being like, see, we told you mm. he was amazing. Um very exciting, mate. Very exciting.
0: Yeah, if you are someone who had woken up from a coma to pick out which player's making their full Premier League debut in this game, they w- would have been very, very far away from picking Adam Wharton, that's for sure. If they don't look at the fact that he looks like he's 12. But other than that... <laughs> yeah, there is that. <laughs> other than that. But no, an outstanding performance from him. Um, the only other thing I wanted to touch on in the game was second half took forever to get underway. Um the, I, the decision may be backfired because it really rolled up the Chelsea fans fans, but I thoroughly enjoy Three Little Birds being played and the whole stadium singing it. It was very very nice touch whoever decided to do that. Um but then kinda of dampened by the Chelsea Twitter account tweeting the next day everything every little thing's gonna be alright. It was just like fuck off. Yeah three
2: little <laughs> birds. It was the, it was the two late goals I didn't like. <laughs>
0: why Why does why does Connor Gallagher hate us he run thir- he run over 13 kilometers in a game for the first ever time and, so, and that was his um, 14th and 15th career goals in the top flight Palace have been on the field for 12 of those 15 at what point does he just realize that he should just play for Palace
2: <laughs> <laughs> don't want him anymore
0: He'd get I a ballon. To... He'd get a Ballon d'Or if he could play at Sellers Park every week. <laughs> <I can't know. laughs> yeah. So four goals against us now. He's got astonishing, really, and two two of them being winners, late, late winners.
2: And dare I say, I mean, I can remember three of them, all pretty decent goals as well. <laughs> the other one,
0: what was it? Who was the other one for? West Brom. West Brom in the 5 not That, wasn't, one, a, was that
1: wasn't a bad goal either, to be fair. I remember it wasn't.
0: That yeah. Mm. yeah, He was like the only player that day for West Brom who came out of any credit. Who was in goal for West Brom that day? Oh, I wonder. <laughs> it's not quite H- Hennessy versus Butterfield, Butterfield, is it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but yeah, as I say, at the end of the game, you know, it was it was gutting or whatever, but the crowd clapped the players off and could appreciate what we'd watched and, you know, gone yeah, after it. Yeah. So all in all, a good got not to get anything, but yeah, good good end to it. Um next up is Everton. Uh in what is I suppose a big six pointer. Mm. I would saying
2: are you saying points deduction or
0: <laughs> well uh it, it it doesn't matter, you know we're gonna if they beat us what would that be then? We've given them one of their points deductions back ourselves.
2: Yeah, big six yeah. point, that I means a very different thing up in <laughs>
0: that part of the world at the moment. Uh, obviously, our record has not been great against them recently, uh, short of the FA Cup win. I can't really remember much against them. Tough, tough on a Monday night as well and all of that, but hopefully... Uh, whether Glasner will be in or not maybe just him uh, being around might rouse something out of the players but yeah it's going to be it's going to be difficult to go up there with the players that we currently have available and maybe get anything I think we have to kind of probably go with the same start eleven we played in this one against Chelsea to you know at least be positive and look like we're going to try and get something and maybe Everton O'Cumbo you know they're not having the best season themselves um, race stop start, had a little run in the middle there, but you know, and they've got all this point deduction stuff hanging over them again. So maybe the pressure will tell, but Albert, I think you said you're convinced we're going to lose 2 0. Or was that you, Haski? Or both of you? Oh, it's
1: definitely. Who does, me, that like? Like... <laughs> Who does that sound like? Who does that sound like? I even gave I, in the chat, I even gave the minutes that we would concede. One's going to be from a corner. And we'll concede in the twenty-first and the eighty-third minute.
0: Sorry, it's, po- it's probably a, a miss of me to not a miss me. Sorry to not talk about us conceding in the first minute, of the second half. After all of us was convinced we was going to do it in the first half, they kept us on our toes against Chelsea. <laughs> I mean, it needs to stop. We really need to switch on. But there you go. But uh, I, I'd f- yeah, t- two nil, one nil, two nil. FA repeat of the FA Cup. I don't know.
1: It just feel it's one of those games where it just feels like you know a Monday night away to Everton. I feel like we'll just it will just be a shit game. They'll score from a corner, and then <laughs> you you know you sort of look back on it and you there's not even going to be like a oh we had that ch- if we'd have only put that chance away. I just <sighs> that's just what it feels like one of those games to me. But maybe like you say, maybe with. Uh, the change in management potentially come in or whatever or Wharton and France are playing maybe maybe it'll be
0: different who knows Albert bring some positive vibes
2: to whoever's braving that journey and going I take my well I'm not wearing a winging it hat but I take my hat off to you because you couldn't fucking pay me to go and do that um, but no I, they're a very mixed bag Everton at the moment um, you know when they first got the points deduction that they seem to sort of galvanise and have a bit of a us versus the world mentality and, and Nick points, but they've sort of gone back to being a little bit inconsistent and, and a bit wavy. So you, you just don't know. Um, obviously a lot depends on who our manager is. Um, we don't have a, you know, it's not like we're going to see as and Elise come walking back in on Monday. So we have a vague idea of what the team's going to be. And that team put in a very good performance, um, against Chelsea who obviously are far superior side to Everton. So, you know, I'm not, I, I bust. I think the, uh, the spectacle of it on a Monday night is fucking appalling away from home. I don't sit here and dread the game itself or the prospect of playing Everton, but there's just so many unknowns. Like I say, who's in the dugout, um, for us. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one to call, but, you know, sitting here right now in, I say in the cold light of day, but it's half ten. Um, you know, I it always goes, would you would you take the point now? And uh, I think all things considered, yeah, I probably would.
0: You know, I didn't quite realise how bad that form was. I've just looked through it there. I've got, <laughs> I've got one in a ele- one win in eleven. We're definitely
1: losing two 0 I didn't know just know that. Give me a
2: quick look at our last eleven, just to just to check.
0: We're we've not got
1: more than one. We've got more than one win.
0: I hope, my yeah. friends. The whole point of me laughing at the one win eleven. Who is it against? Oh fuck! Us in the FA Cup.
1: Son of a bitch.
0: <laughs> uh, littered with draws, though there are a lot of draws in there. So mm. they they had a two two against Spurs and 0 nil at Fulham. Uh, a 0-0 against Villa a 0-0 against us and a 1-1 against Fulham in the EFL Cup which they then lost on penalties so yeah they're in dire form really so
1: so what you're saying is 2-0 home win
0: banker (laughs) (laughs) who knows who knows right Thank you for listening. Thank you for uh, being patient with us for and waiting one one day longer. Uh, we promise it wasn't anything to do with teasing you <laughs> and hoping that Roy had been sacked. Um, Alberts, get well soon. Yeah, get well soon. Um, we'll be back next week, normal time. We'll be who are we playing Bernie next, right? The important fixtures come thick and fast. So,
2: Big six-pointer.
0: And hopefully, by this time next week, Glasner will be in situ and we can all get very excited. Um, I
1: thought you were going to say, hopefully, by this time next week, Sam will have had some baguette. Mm. I, I will have, because I'm mm. going to make sure of it.
0: And I'm on the only.
2: Just to, just to fucking shut you up.
0: <laughs> and at risk of. Leaving you on a positive note, I'm going to instead say, you know, Glasner's starts at Wolfsburg and Frankfurt were both very slow. So maybe, right. not, maybe not ideal when you're in a relegation battle, but hey, if we're, we've got to have some sort of trade off, if we're not going to let him take us to Europe, maybe we can allow him a faster start. Who knows? So
2: take us to the championship Come on, <laughs> let's
0: do this. Wow. Anyway, thanks for listening and until next time, up the palace.